0: Hey everyone, it's springtime. You know what that means? That means do-it-yourself projects around the house. That means yard work. That means getting your lawn in order. And every year there's no shortage of people asking me, Ayana, why are you always doing all of your own lawn work? You're always doing all of the mowing, the cutting, the trimming, the planning. You have a son in your house who's an athlete. Why don't you make him do this work? And I always tell them it's because my son is on a football scholarship for college and I don't want him to hurt anything. I don't want him to break a leg or break a foot or, or injure anything and then he has to come home and be with me 24 hours a day because he eats a lot of food. I've got some explaining to do. Let's get into it. Hey there, Allians! Welcome back for another episode of Ayana Explains It All, the podcast hosted by the Black Muslim Lady Lawyer with an opinion on everything. Born and raised in the hood, living in the suburbs of Northeast Ohio, avoiding these Met Gala photos. I can't get distracted by it all. I'm not into the celebrity fashion, but I know that everyone is dressed like some kind of string of pearls this year or something. Ayana Explains It All is the podcast available on 13 media streaming platforms, including Spotify, Amazon, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and YouTube, just to name a few. Ayana Explains It All also has our own website. That's A-Y-A-N-A ExplainsItAll.com. Again, that's AyanaExplainsItAll.com. First name spelled A-Y-A-N-A. And you can go on the website and you can link to all of the social medias. You can find past episodes, full episodes, you can have show transcripts, you can rate the podcast, you can review it, you can leave five stars, one stars, however many stars you want. You can also become a patron of the podcast. Yes, today while I was putting together this episode that I have to do with my son, I was trying to get, I don't even know how to do this, use two microphones, and apparently my technology is limited because I have one microphone that goes into my Focusrite Scarlet thingy and then one microphone that goes into the computer and the computer was reading the one microphone that goes into the computer and it was just a big mess. I am technology limited. I need new technology. I also need to keep my news sources fresh and refreshed and this all costs money. So you can go to the website and you can leave me a tip. You can buy me a coffee that, that if you guys have heard of that, buy me a coffee. Actually, mine says buy me a laptop because I really need a new laptop also. This hobby of mine has really taken off. And I want to invest more in it. I do pay out of pocket for a lot of this stuff. And you guys are probably saying, but Ayana, you're a lawyer. Aren't you wealthy? <laughs> Jokes on me. I work for the federal government. So if you want to become a patron, just go on the website and leave me a little tip. I would really appreciate it. Even if you don't, just listen to the podcast, share it with your friends and family. I hooked up with a cousin of mine that I hadn't seen in over 40 years this past weekend and I linked him to my podcast. Today I'm going to be talking to my son, Muhammad Cook. Yay. Now Muhammad would get closer to the microphone. Closer. Closer. Say hi. Yo. Muhammad is my very first guest by the way. My very first guest. As you could tell it's a little rough and I did not have to promise him anything to do this. He was very accommodating of his mom. I, we talked about it in the car ride home from college. I went to retrieve him from college last week, which was interesting, wasn't it, Muhammad?
1: Uh, yeah, it was a very interesting experience because somebody didn't leave packing bag with me. So, quote, I wasn't quote unquote packed and ready to go when she came. Yeah.
0: First of all, that is all a lie. Throughout this entire interview, you would notice that Muhammad lies quite a bit. And I'm going to have to. I'm kidding, son. But son, seriously, you're going to have to get closer to the microphone so the people can hear you. Pretend like we're back in 2004 and I'm giving birth to you. Muhammad doesn't like when I talk about the story of his birth. It was harrowing, Muhammad.
1: 18 years. I am 18 years of age and every year you have, what's the word? Pester? Is that a word? berated me about this birth, my big forehead.
0: I, it's not berating; it's me sharing this story with you of how you survived some pretty traumatic experiences as a newborn. I just I share it with you because I want you to see how far you've come. You've come very far, Muhammad, and I'm very proud of you. When I picked you up from college, the end of your freshman year, I was like, "Let me see what this kid has learned." during this entire year I know it was tough for you first time being away from home for that long you also don't have a roommate so you were basically living by yourself even though you lived in a dorm with a bunch of other people you were living alone away from home away from my delicious home cooking away from my warm hugs and affirming words (laughs) he's rolling his eyes (laughs) And so I really wanted to know what was on your mind. What was going through your head last year before you left for college? I did this entire episode on a toolkit that every young adult should have. And I know I gave you some of these things, but I also bought you an actual toolkit. Did you use it? Tell the people.
1: Yeah, I used there was a pair of scissors in there. And I use the scissors a lot, I will say. Other than that, I recently have used the the screwdrivers because I was trying to repair my Beats Studio 3 headphones. And it didn't go quite well. But yeah, there wasn't much I needed to repair. By the
0: way, his Studio Beats headphones are the third pair of listening devices that he has had in the last year. Oh, the last two years, excuse me. Okay. I'm sorry. So you and me were in the car, we're driving home. It's, it was about a two hour drive after we got all your stuff packed in. And I showed the picture and your aunt was like, yeah, trash bags are not the way to go. People didn't know this. But when I showed up to pick up Muhammad, Muhammad thought he was just going to take all of his things and throw them in the car. And I said, have you never moved anywhere? And he has it. He has it. We went from an apartment to the house we live in now, and you've lived here since you were five years old. We haven't had to do moving, so Muhammad doesn't know how to move really. <laughs> he thinks that you can just fold up the clothes and shove them in the cart. No, you have to put them in boxes or bags. I bought these really nice shipping bags that we used when I dropped them off. And when he came home for spring break, he did not take them with him. Muhammad is just, he has a beautiful mind, a beautiful soul, but sometimes he forgets things. And this is one of the the things, one of the problems Muhammad and I have had for a minute now is that Muhammad sometimes forgets things. But I know Muhammad remembered a lot of the lessons that I gave to him before he left for college. One of the most important lessons was, you got to finish the game. You got to finish the game. What does that mean to
1: you, Muhammad? As a college athlete, college student-athlete, to be exact. To me, it means it really doesn't matter how you start. It's about how you finish. When I got on campus, I started off slow in pretty much every aspect because there was, like, a lot of anxiety going into it and nervousness because not only is this my first time living away from home, it was my first time being playing playing any sport on a collegiate level and uh, there's a lot that's asked of somebody coming straight out of high school and I was very immature at the time in many ways so it was like a very hard adjustment at first very hard and I just remember so vividly that first night sleeping on that college bed I couldn't sleep I couldn't sleep out. Like the nerves were getting to me. It was like a wake-up call almost. It was crazy. Crazy experience.
0: But one thing that you know is that whatever you start, you got to finish. Whatever you start, you got to finish. And one of the things that I wanted to impart on you was that this is going to either make or break you. Muhammad doesn't know this, but in ninth grade, when I went for that very first round of parent teacher conferences at the high school, he was not in the greatest of shape academically, not turning in assignments, et cetera, et cetera. And one of his teachers said to me is that the teacher himself was the same kind of lax in high school, and it wasn't until he got to college. But someone told him before then, you're going to have to figure out a way to study that works for you individually. And so you're not going to succeed until you find that way to study. And so I was hoping that would hit Muhammad before he went to college. But I think it's in college where, like his teacher, it hit him how to study in a way that works for him so that he can have success in college. So tell everyone what that very first moment was like when you went into a college class and you had to sit down with a bunch of other people. Or I know you guys did some things online too, right? But that very first time you were in college and you had to study as a college student and you had to read as a college student, that very first semester compared to your second semester.
1: The first semester, man, I got to really think about that.
0: already
1: blocked it out yeah so really it was a big change because the professors aren't like teachers at shaker they're not gonna be in your hair all the time they're not gonna really push you to get all your missing work in they're not gonna put in that extra step to help you because they have a lot more students to attend to so that was a pretty big change but like the first day Sitting there, seeing a wide range of people, not skin color wise, but like people from the south, people from Ohio, people from everywhere. It was interesting. And then seeing how we all end up in the same place in a small town, small college, Tiffin, Ohio. That was surreal to me. But studying wise, the first semester, it was during the football season. Our football coaches designed study tables for like transfers and first year students where it was about twice or three times a week where you would go in after your classes to the, one of the main buildings and you would sit down as a football team and you would work on your school work with each you could work as a team with each other you could work individually but you had to stay there the whole time and I would say like the first month I was really getting my work done in there because I didn't know anybody so I wasn't talking to anybody. I was just sitting there doing my work quietly with my headphones on, my Studio 3s, my beloved Studio <laughs> 3s. And it, once I really started connecting with people and talking to people, then that's when I started lacking in that department because I started talking to them instead of doing the work in the study tables, which is what I did in high school. That is why I didn't use my study table hours to my best ability. I remember you had study tables in high school. Yeah, in high school, it was just like, I was so comfortable with everybody. We would just goof around the whole time, (laughs) talk and do whatever, slap dick. It it didn't matter. What? Is that that a
0: football term? or?
1: Yeah. One of my high school coaches used it. It's a pretty accurate term. I'm going to have to
0: google that when I'm finished with this cuz and I have no idea what that is. I get the feeling that it's just goof off. Is that pretty much okay? <laughs> so when you took your first exam, I don't know how they do it at Tiffin. Do they they have like midterms and final exams? So when you took your first exam, were you like, "Oh, I'm going to ace this. I can do this. I've taken tests before." Or apprehensive? What was going on? Were you prepared? Did you study son?
1: I won't lie, for the first semester, the midterms were not very hard. The midterms were not very hard. There were some projects that were filling in for midterms. I would say my heart, the hardest part about the first semester, midterm-wise, was a CST class where you would learn how to use Microsoft applications like Excel, Word, PowerPoint, but it, it like really in-depth. The hardest part was pinpointing everything on Excel. Everything else was cool, but like on the midterm, you had to do Excel, you had to do PowerPoint, stuff like that. And it it got real technical. So I would say that was my, the hardest part of the midterm. Studying for that, I went on YouTube and there was a lot of tutorial videos and stuff like that. So that was nice. (laughs) So that, that was nice. But finals, I actually had to sit down and lock in and study for that. For math, I actually, like, we had to take that. I forgot. It was either the day before I left or, yeah, it was the day before. And I walked in there thinking, oh, I got this down packed. This should be easy because the practice exam that we had leading up to it, it was pretty easy. It was like a piece of cake. But the day of the exam, it was like... Like the data set that she gave us was completely different from the data set on the practice exam. So it was like a shock and I had to collect my mind real quick. Because it was not what I was expecting at all. But yeah, my heart was beating because I was like, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to do well on this and do it in time. But I ended up I it I took it slow. I ended up taking it slow, really slow. And I finished just on time. But I passed with a good grade. So that's all that really matters.
0: Yes, that is all that really matters. And we talked about this on the ride home. Your mother did not do well in the class you were describing. The class you were describing is statistics, right? It is a hated class by many, including myself. I remember I had to do, I think I had the statistics exam and then political theory the next day. And I was like, which one of these do I need to give the most energy to? <laughs> and I split the time. And listen, yeah, you, you, no, you can't. You can't. Statistics needs all of your time. It demands every single ounce of your time. But I did not do well. Ooh, maybe it was the professor. I did not like my professors. What did you think of your professors? You don't have to give names, but did you have a favorite
1: professor, favorite class? My favorite professor has to be first semester. I have two, actually. First semester, my English professor was very nice. She was very nice. She was very lenient, very down to earth. That's why she was nice, because she was lenient. <laughs> no, she was just a very nice person in general. Like she, it, it felt like she actually cared about everybody, everybody's well-being that was in the classroom, like genuinely cared and that really sticks with you. If your professor really cares about you, you can feel it, and I I value that a lot. As far as my second semester, my advisor, he was one of my professors, and he was just a very cool dude, just very cool. He's the advisor for all the football players, so maybe that's why he was so cool, but yeah, I really liked him, and as far as my least favorite, there's no, no. There wasn't any least favorite due to like harsh feelings, like they were mean or anything like that. But my marketing professor first semester, it was just like he would talk from the very beginning to the very end, just it was just like endless talking, and it's my attention span. Like I can't lock in on that for that long, especially with like his monotone voice. It was just like. Who's a very cool guy, but is it the way he gave his lectures was very boring, I, I would say.
0: Oh, listen, I've had my share of boring lectures. That's why I tell people after law school, I never wanted to see another school or university ever again. And then I learned that I had to do 24 hours of continuing legal education credits every two years. If you follow me on social media, you've seen me post over the years. Muhammad and his clarinet. Muhammad used to play the clarinet, but I believe that that musical prowess is, it helped you a little bit. Being able to read notes, play notes, understand music, read music, helps the brain. It stimulates the brain. It stimulates your intellectual ability, and it really helps you to grow as a person on earth. If you're diversified in art and music and humanities and not just somebody who can run a ball or who can do a calculation it helps to be well-rounded out there in the world but also I personally never wanted to have a child who played football I did not want a child who played football so I was so excited that Muhammad his first two years of high school he was in marching band And he was playing the clarinet, but his real passion is football. When Muhammad was, I think you were five or six or something. That's when your Nana and your auntie signed you up for the Pee Wee League, the Pop Warner football against my wishes. This is before I understood what boundaries were. (laughs) And people were just violating me all over the place. And they signed you up for football, and that's when you got your first taste, and then there was no turning back. There was no turning back. So the fact that you played college football just makes sense. Tell me how you feel about being a part of a team where you, your first year, you were not able
1: to play. Man, oh, man. It is such a big change and humbling experience going back to square one, going back to the bottom of the totem pole because sophomore year, they had the JV teams. So when I was a sophomore, I was still, I don't want to brag too much, but I was still like that guy on the JV team. (laughs) And I was still on the field doing my thing. But getting because junior and senior year, I was a starter. I was a team captain on both the rugby field and the football field. And then just going from that And then seeing these grown men like 25, 24 years old, full beard, stocky, and you you knowing that you're not playing, you're not seeing the field, it's a very humbling experience. And it really motivated me because I want to play, I want to get on the field. So I know what I have to do, it's just a matter of if I'm going to do it. And I know I'm going to do it. So that's really the gist of it, yeah. It was just a humbling experience.
0: But you got to play in their, what was it, their green and gold game? How was that experience for you?
1: That was like the first game with like my first time where the lights were really on. Right. Yep, I was fasting. Yep, during Ramadan. A little backstory Leading up to Ramadan, during winter break, I gained a lot of weight. I gained a lot of strength. And I was ready to roll right into the spring season. We had our winter workouts. My defensive line coach said I was rolling through those. I was having a great winter. Then, boom, Ramadan hit me like a truck, man! <laughs> like in every way possible. It hits a lot. Yeah, I really like it. I really commend professional athletes who perform during Ramadan at such a high level because it is very tough. Not only is it the whole, like, you, you just don't have energy. You don't have energy. And then on top of that, I was losing a lot of weight. Like, right? I was rolling. I was ready to roll right into the spring and have a great spring. And it was just, it was very tough.
0: Probably one of the most important aspects of Ramadan is it forces you to stop and reflect on what you've done in the months leading up to Ramadan. And how you want to conduct yourself during Ramadan and the person you want to be after. It really does pause a lot of things to give you time to reflect, to grow closer to God, but just to think about yourself. You do a lot of self reflection during Ramadan.
1: Oh yeah. I did a lot of self reflecting. Late nights, just sitting there staring at the ceiling. <laughs> it could because it was it was like all the progress that I had made, all the work I put in, it was—it felt like it went to waste. But looking back at it now, it, it really didn't go to waste at all. But it was just, in the moment, I was so down on myself because I had such high expectations for myself. And it felt like I was just trying so hard, but I just couldn't succeed. But looking back at it, everything happens for a reason. The good thing about it is, I stayed disciplined. I got through all of Ramadan and and I ain't cheat. You know what I'm saying? I ain't giving the peer pressure. I was in the calf every day after practice or after a lift. I would, in front of everybody, in front of the whole team, we had like a section where it's usually just all football players. So in front of the whole team, I would be packing my little container. I would put all the food from the cafeteria in there. I would get some Gatorade. I would get a half a gallon of water. And I would just walk right out of the cafeteria to wait till I can break my fast to eat every day. And people would laugh. People would, would encourage me. Like, it's just crazy being around a lot of people who don't, who aren't familiar with Islam whatsoever. They had no idea what I was doing or what was going on. But the good thing about it is my defense alignment coach, uh, he is now the uh, defensive coordinator, David Price, Coach Price. That's my guy. He was very supportive during Ramadan. He was very understanding. He was He's just a great person in general. Like, he will be very hard on you when it comes, like, your play on the football field. If you, you make a bad play, for example, he's going to get on you. He's going to say some very mean things to you in front of everybody. But at the end of the day, like, as a man, when he's having man-to-man talks with you, like, he really, like, genuinely cares about everybody on the team. And he's really willing to sacrifice a lot for us. And so having that support system on the football team really helps you mentally and encourages you to keep pushing it. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, we know what you're saying. (laughs) That's another thing I wanted to ask you about. In college, sometimes it can feel isolating. It can feel like a lonely experience, especially because you don't know anyone and you didn't have a roommate. I at least had a roommate who I bonded with until I could reach out into the community. But I also had been to college the summer before my freshman year, a special program for minority students. And so I had made friends then. So I had a few friends when I entered college. You did not know anybody and you lived by yourself. How, and I know I, every time I talked to you on the phone, I would ask you if you had made any friends and you go, no, I'm just in my room. I'm either studying I'm on the game. And I would say, Muhammad, I just I want you to get out and go meet some people. And I would try to encourage you to go out and meet people. And just so you have a social support, it's important to alleviate. I know I talked to you about the adjustment disorder that some people develop when big changes happen in their life and they can develop depression and anxiety. It's mild and it's temporary, but it's because big changes have happened and your brain can't adjust to it well. And so you either get depressed or you become very anxious and nervous and you don't know how to navigate the world around, of you, around you all of a sudden. You're not adapting well. And so having a social support system really helps. And that could be anybody. That could be a coach. It could be a professor. It could be your RA. It could be people who live in the dorm with you. It could be your classmates. But you need people. You need somebody. What did you think of the people that you met on campus? the people that you encounter, the people you live with. You don't have to tell any stories about how nasty and dirty people are. We all know. (laughs) But tell me about the social aspect of being on campus.
1: Okay, so when I first arrived, when we first started unpacking in the dorm, when I opened my door and I saw that I had a single, like I was ecstatic, (laughs) like on the inside. I was more than happy because I I love my alone time. I love being alone, doing my own thing having fun on my own. So for the first week, for I I want to say the first couple of weeks, I was like very happy because I was alone. I had my privacy. I had my video game, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I, I had everything I wanted. After a while, it 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 did it start to get lonely. It did start to get lonely. I was still in contact with my friends and still in contact with a girl I was talking to at the time. So I wasn't that lonely. You know, I still had people I could talk to whenever I was feeling down, people who I can tell about my day, tell people about what's going on. And then after a while, it's like I just really grew apart from the people at home. And on top of that, I wasn't making any new friends. I wasn't going out there, applying myself, going out to hang out with people, stuff like that. And it's really because I, I don't know. I feel like I do have social anxiety because I don't like to put myself out there at all. I don't like to be in uncomfortable situations whatsoever. I don't like even one-on-one talks. I don't like talking on the phone to people like people who I'm like the closest with. I don't like to talk on the phone. I don't like to text. I just really stop talking to a lot of people in general.
0: Yes, we know because my son was not calling me
1: yeah, so it was getting to a point where people thought I didn't like them anymore or I just forgot about them because I wasn't texting them, calling them. But it's just like, I, in in a way, it feels, it just makes me feel awkward on the inside. I can't really explain the feeling, but even with the, my closest people, even with my mother, my own mother, it's just like, it, it's it's a weird feeling on the inside. If it, I wish you guys could experience it and feel it on the regular. But it's a bad feeling, and I feel like that really held me back. And in the long run, I definitely would have benefited from like having roommates or a roommate just to make good relationships on campus. Like on on the football team, there's a lot. There was a lot of good people. One of my one of my I was I can't even say like I had actual friends on campus. Like somebody who I could call up and be like. Hey, come over. Let's play some Mad together, or let's go get something to eat together, or something like that. I didn't have any. What I like, what I had was like when I was around my teammates, like we could laugh, we could have fun, and stuff like that. But as soon as I get to my dorm, I'm completely alone. Like I'm in solitude, basically. And that's that. That's really what it was. But like the teammates, like when I was around them, they were really great guys. Very funny, like. Uh, some of my best laughs that I've had have been with some of my D-line guys. I really feel like if if I would have really put myself out there and hung out with those guys, my first year would have been much better as far as my mental health, stuff like that. But I will say, shout out to my boy, Daniel Geisler. Man. (laughs) Daniel Geisler, man, he checked up on me a lot. He FaceTimed me, texted me, made sure I was good. Shout out to his mother, Miss Geisler, as well. She checked up on me a lot as well. Obviously, shout out to my mother.
0: (laughs) Shout out to his mom, the most important person in his
1: life. Thank you very much. Yeah, she called, checked up on me a lot. My Nana, obviously, and my Aunt Nadira as well. She checked up on me as well, made sure I was doing good. So it was just like I had a lot of support that I could, that, but I just didn't go out there and accept it. Like I had a, I had a lot of people I could lean on, but it's just the fact that I I can't really explain the feeling. Like I, I really wish you could understand. I really wish people could understand like how it feels for me in just normal situations. But with the whole group or with more people, it, it, it feels more natural, like I'm more comfortable. I don't know what it is at all. I don't know how this developed or whatever, but that is how I feel day to day, like every day. It's never a day where that goes by where I don't feel like it. That's why I love music. Music was my probably my biggest therapy throughout this whole first year. It's just being able to tune everything out, throw your headphones on, full blast, and lock in. It's it's a great feeling. And that's really how I got into some of the old music, some of the old soul, you know, what I'm saying? Marvin Gaye. Hold on.
0: Listen, on the ride home, he was like, Mommy, let me connect to the car audio. I was like, I don't want to hear none of that Kodak, track, thug, young, black, S-Z-A-K-U-B, nothing. I want to hear it. He was like, no, Mommy, no, just, get, just give it a chance. Give it a chance. He turned on. Marvin Gay. And then that was followed by Ohio players. And then that was followed by who was that lady who sang the song? Boy, you make my love. Come. Followed by her. And it was just soul music. He was playing soul music. Now listen, I have a very diverse music palette. And so in my house, I don't really play a lot of music in my house. Usually when I'm cooking, I'll play some music, but I play rock, I play soul, old RB. And him, Muhammad and his sister both would turn up their noses at my music. They still do. But now Muhammad is starting to come over a little bit to, to my side, to the oldies, to appreciating the oldies. And I believe that a lot of that stuff, like that mellow music, really helps you study. I listen to a lot of mellow music and classical music when I was in college, when I was studying And it really helped my brain to just zone out of what was around me and then focus on the outlines, looking at the outlines. And that's another thing. Did you have to do like outlines? When I was in college, we shared outlines with each other that we made of class notes. Did you have people that you could get resources from or were you pretty much to yourself? I'm not sharing. I'm not asking.
1: As far as first semester, not really because we didn't really need it actually for my cst class we did a lot of that like we shared we helped each other out with stuff like that but second semester we had a different study hall system where you would have to go to the library and get a certain amount of hours a week or else we would have a team punishment we would do like up downs for it after practice and runs and stuff like that i would go usually go to the library on sunday around noon and I would go to the, we had class classrooms in the library where you could it was like your own room to yourself it had a computer I had four chairs I had a table, and it was like very peaceful. so I would sit there by myself and get all my work done and I was sitting there for four hours straight, get all my work done for the week, study, and then go back to my dorm, sign out from the library and about halfway through some guys, just, we just started sitting together in those rooms and we would do all our work together for like hours and we would share notes, share stuff like that, help each other out with the work and we would watch hoops we would watch football, stuff like that. Yeah, it was was studying with my teammates is actually it was actually pretty fun but the whole second semester study hall thing really helped my grade. That was really the first time in my life where I could actually say I was actually studying and getting work done and it really showed up on my grades. It was the first time in my life I could really say I was proud of my grades. So, that's crazy to say in your first year <laughs> of college, but <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay, I remember an incident. I think it was like your first 2 weeks and you said that your that somebody had marked you absent from class. And so your coach called you and was chewing you out because he thought you hadn't gone to class. Talk about how that experience and how that made you understand the seriousness of being on a football scholarship and having to go to class and listen to your coach. And tell me a little bit
1: about your relationship with your coach. Man, uh, Coach Price, he, I ain't going to lie. The first few months on campus, he really struck fear in my heart. Like (laughs) that, (laughs) just the coaches in general, being on a collegiate level, it's like the, what is it? What is it? The leeway for, how do I say this? For making mistakes and stuff like that. You don't have much leeway. Like you have, you don't have many strikes. Like in high school, you could do whatever you want. You're still on the team because you're a good player that does not work at this level. <laughs> when my advisor had texted me, but it was my advisor first. My advisor texted me and then I got a call from my coach. Anytime I see his contact name pop up on my phone, my heart drops because that means I did something wrong. So, I was like, "What's going on? What's going on?" And he's like, "Your advisor is telling me you 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 missed class on the first like it was like the maybe the second or third class of the semester and I'm already missing class. So you know that is a very bad luck. And I'm like, what happened? I was in class. You can ask. I was in class with him. He saw me. And so I had emailed the, the counselor and it appears that my name was on the sheet, but I guess you didn't see it. it was an error on his it was an error on his end. And we got it all cleared up. So it was fine. Coach was understanding. When I tell you my heart was <laughs> racing like right? Getting in trouble with your coach that early into being on the team is bad. It's bad. It's not a good look, not a good feeling. But, yeah, as I said earlier, like, my relationship with the coaches are like, they're going to be very hard on you when it comes to football. Like, they're going to say stuff that you have never heard from a coach before. But... (laughs) when it comes to like them caring about you as a per- as a human being they're always there if you whenever you need them you can call them at any time uh, if you really need them yeah as far as a relationship it's a, it's a good relationship but obviously they're going to be hard on you
0: yeah so a lot of that toughness a lot of that 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 tough love that you got probably helped shape you and I look at you now from when I dropped you off that week of football camp and you were just you were thin and you were oh had your your, your Beats Studio Three <laughs> Headphones on <laughs> and you didn't look scared. You never look scared. No matter what's going on around you, you never look it. You would never know. Like Muhammad is so laid back. Sometimes it's like aloof. but he's definitely keyed in. He knows what's going on, but he is so laid back. He does not get worked up like I do. Like I get worked up. My kids hate it. They know that they have to solve problems as much as possible before they come to me. Because if they come to me and it's still a problem, oh, we're going to solve it, baby. We're going to solve the hell out of it. But he's so laid back and he knows how to handle business for the most part. He's still 18. He's still knucklehead. But The person that I'm looking at now is a man. You are a man. And it's been some years since your mother has had a man in her house. (laughs) So I'm sitting here, I'm parenting a man. That is so weird for me. But I'm glad that I don't have to do a lot of parenting anymore. Like you are, you have become this just very, you're very responsible, which I love. At least there are things that I don't know about that I don't find out about. That's great. That's always great. But you're mature. You're responsible. You're very caring when it comes to your family. Your sister would like it if you called her more when you were away and text her more. She loves you very much. She does. But I think one of the things that you have seen in your childhood is that you've always had to be, you, were the, you weren't the first grandchild. But you were always the only one who was consistently around. And so everyone who came after you kind of had to take after Muhammad. All of the cousins who came after you, even your sister who came after you, had to look up to you and you had to be the guy for your cousins and your sister. And so that probably plays into a little bit of why you like to be alone. so much. But you always had a good group of friends. And I'm so proud and happy of your friends, Daniel and Jordan who they're away at school, but they, every time you came home, like you guys hung out so tough. And I love that you guys still have that kind of brother relationship. And I think that you should continue to foster it. But I think also that you should make and grow new relationships in your new social setting because those people, just like your high school friends are going to be friends that you have with you for the rest of your life. Just like your friends from the masjid your friends from high school, from college, those are going to be the people that you have with you for the rest of your life. You'll make new friends, but as an adult, an older adult, you'll find it's harder to make friends. It's really hard if you have to make new friends. Like my friends all live in other States. And so if I had to make friends, I would probably get like bubble guts because I can't, cannot do it. I don't even try. I don't even try. I'm gonna just stick with what I got. I love them. (laughs) But The person you are now, you're a man. Like, how do you feel if you think back on that first time when you were dropped off and we drove away to the moment I picked you up, do you feel like you've transformed a little bit, like you've evolved some, like you've grown up some?
1: 1,000% I feel like that. This is crazy because just last night I was looking through my camera roll and I was looking at just my memories from the summer. And the growth that I've seen in myself in what maybe not even a year. It's it like I can't even begin to to process how crazy it is seeing my my like oh my goodness. I just wanna punch myself, my my old self. Like seeing the pictures and videos of myself, like I was so immature, like I was such a little kid. But at the same time I still had Maturity, it's weird. It's a weird a weird way to, a weird analogy, basically. But like you said, I really never showed myself being scared or being nervous when I was dropped off. On the inside, I was very scared, very nervous about everything. But I never liked to ever, never, ever to show my emotions or tell people how I'm really feeling because... It just roots back to what I was saying earlier. I don't really like reaching out to people and especially reaching out to people about stuff like that. I really like to tackle my own problems myself, doing my own stuff myself, which is, it's bad. But at the same time, that's how I got so much stronger mentally over this year. And that translated to me getting stronger physically as well, because but battling with yourself in your own mind, it, it it makes, it motivates you. It motivates you. Like, it, it really makes you want to do better for yourself. And I realized that I really wanted to be better at, in every aspect of life. Like, looking back at my senior year and the stuff that I put you through and the way I finished out my senior year and how in the summer I wasn't on my A game. I wasn't working how I was supposed to, working to to getting better as a football player, getting ready for fall camp. I really reflected on that stuff, and I really realized I got to pick it up because this isn't the way to go. I'm on a mission. Like, I got to finish strong, and in order to finish strong, I got to do stuff now when that time comes, my first start on the varsity field that I am ready for. And I'm playing with a lot of money on the line. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to be paying for my college tuition until I'm like 40, 50, you feel me? I'm here on a mission. And I had to realize that a lot of people don't have the opportunity to play their favorite sport at the collegiate level. And I'm very lucky, and I cannot fumble this opportunity. And on top of not being able, not fumbling this opportunity, I I have a goal for myself. my My goal is just to graduate and get my degree with the least amount of what student loans, and loan fees, as possible. Yeah, with the highest. Yeah, of course. Yep. <laughs> yes. With the highest grades. Yeah.
0: Let's get that on record. Yes.
1: But as I really work and as I really think to myself, like, that goal can really change. If I really work and I really stay disciplined and lock in, I can see myself making that final push and getting into the league eventually. But that, that, that's, it's going to take a lot of work and a lot of effort and a lot of dedication. But I know if I really push myself, I I can do it because I I see it in myself. I look at myself in the mirror every day. I work out every day. I do. I see the progress that I make every day. And I really think if I push myself enough, then anything's possible. The sky's the limit. Any goal is achievable. If you put in enough work, you can do anything. You You can become the richest man in the world if you try hard enough. And if you're not the richest man in the world, then that means you're not trying hard enough. You feel me? I really think you can achieve anything you want to do if you just try hard enough. And once I really figure out how to lock in and how to really achieve my potential, I feel like maybe in a couple years, who knows what can happen. My ultimate goal for right now and this summer is day to day is to do every day, do something that is going to make me better every day whether that's working out, whether that's doing drill work, going on a run, doing a film study, studying my position. Every day, if I don't do something that gets me better in any aspect, then I failed the day. And my ultimate goal for this summer is to work hard enough and be good enough to the point where I can contribute to my team on the collegiate level. Uh, and go in there on a hot Saturday in front of everybody and make a play, you know what I'm saying, on a regular basis. That is my ultimate goal for this summer, inshallah. And so far, I've been doing something every day, every day. And if I stay consistent, stay disciplined, I know I can achieve that goal because I know myself. I probably I'm the only person that truly knows myself only person if I really stick to this I know how far I can go the sky's the limit for you and I'm so motivated to finish out strong because I have so many people that I want to make proud and so many people I want to impress and so many people I want to stun on you feel (laughs) me and and most of all I'm doing it for myself so I, I really feel like I have a purpose you know what I'm saying yeah
0: Insha'Allah, son you will finish the game you will and this has been ayana explains it all brought to you by facts figures and enlightenment featuring my son's son muhammad cook take care